Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing here. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. We make lists. We make all kinds of lists. There are New Year's resolution lists that we make. Some of you have already started to to work on yours, uh, you know, goals that you're going to have. Uh, the gyms are packed about this time of year. They're already starting to fill up. After the first of the year, everybody is making those, I'm going to be healthier, you know, so you're going to go to a gym and you're going to drop 100 pounds in, in a month, you know, and you make that, that list, you know. And uh, New Year's resolutions, they, they usually last, for me, last about a month, um, if that, or maybe financial goals. Maybe you're going to make a big financial goal. Maybe you're going to save $3,000 a month, you know, and uh, that, that doesn't go over well. So I encourage you to start with maybe $10 or something like that, something doable. But we make all these lists. We even have our Christmas lists. Our kids have been filling out their Christmas lists before Christmas, their list of Santa and what they want. And um, some, some, I've seen adults do it too, you know, and uh, you, you make your lists and you you give it to people to make sure you get the right gift, and, and you don't want them to waste their money. We make all kinds of lists. In 1973, I remember making a list, pulling out a Sears Roebuck catalog, and um, some of you are just looking at me. You don't even know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> You're not old enough to know what a Sears Roebuck catalog is, and quite frankly, there's no need to even explain it if you don't know, right? They're not coming back. But you would... You would open up that Sears Roebuck catalog, and you would go to the toy section. You'd begin to circle the things you'd want. I, anybody ever do that? Uh, maybe, oh, yeah, all over. you just circle it. And you knew that Santa was going to read that catalog and, and look at the circles and all that, and, and you'd want that. I remember in 73, I, I circled a San Francisco 49er jersey, and I was so excited to get a 49er jersey. Now, in 73, that was before they became the greatest team that ever played, all right? That was in 73. Yeah, yeah, I see some, I got a Bronco fan over here. Um, it, it was awesome that, that the reality that I might get a 49er jersey. I was so excited to open up the 49er jersey on Christmas morning, and, and uh, my grandma uh, got, got to, to get that. When you circle the items of the Sears Roebuck catalog and you make your list, they would divvy it up among family members, and my grandma got the jersey. And uh, my grandma was quite handy uh, with the uh, sewing machine, and... Uh, yeah, she made me one. She made me a football jersey. I don't think she ever bought any clothes. She made all her clothes, and she surely was going to make my jersey. And so she knitted, or I don't know what ladies do, but they, they did this knitting or sewing or something, and, and out came a sweater. I mean, it, was, uh, it wasn't even a jersey. It, was, it looked like something they played with in, in like 1924, you know, those sweaters with the, the, the leather helmets, you know. And, uh, and then it wasn't the right color. It was gray. Um, and then I looked on the back, and it said Colts. 
It wasn't even the right team. My grandfather, he loved Johnny Unitas, and I guess he figured, you know, my son is going to be a Colts fan, and uh, that never happened. Matter of fact, I can't stand the Colts to this day because of that, that Christmas morning. Sorry about that. It's true. I really don't like it. Um, I don't know what kind of list you're, you're making, um, Christmas list, New Year's list. Before we really get too far into next year, I think it's important to, to take a Sunday and to think about a list that, that, that we may have conjured up in our mind or even in our heart. And it, 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 is, a, it is a serious list. It's a list of people that, that may have hurt us this year. And, uh, you know, we live in a fallen world with broken people. And whether it be at home or whether it be at work, people hurt us. And before we just take that list in our mind and our heart before next year, we need to talk about what does it mean to forgive? What does it mean to to reconcile. The word used in the Bible is reconcile. And for some of you, uh, you don't have that visible list. I mean, you don't keep a visible list of people that have hurt you. You don't, you don't put it on the refrigerator or put it on your bedroom wall, you know. And if you do, uh, we have a name for people like you. It's called serial killers, all right? So <laughs> I, I encourage you not to do that. Uh, government will find you. Um, but those lists are typically in our mind and they're in our heart. And so what do we do with them? You know, during Christmas, we celebrate the coming of Jesus in a manger, but Jesus didn't just come and, and stay in a manger. He lived a perfect life, and he took your list, your hurt list, my hurts, my wrongs, the Bible calls it sin, and he put it upon himself, and he took it to the cross. And he did that, not because he just wanted to go to a cross. He did that so that we would be reconciled with each other. And whole holy night, I love this, this, this little verse of O holy night. It says, truly he taught us to love one another. His, love is, his law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. See, Jesus came to set us free from all that, to be reconciled. So before we get on to our New Year's resolution list, I want to talk about our New Year's reconciliation list. We find it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, this word reconcile. So if you would uh, turn with me there or turn on your phone and, and, and go to the app. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 talks about reconciliation. Starting with verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Reconcile. To do all I can to be in right relationship with others. That's what that means. To do all I can to be in right relationship with others, to bring together what was once apart and it bring, bring it together and to make it whole again. So before we, we talk about broken relationships and forgiving others that may have hurt us, I want to go back to what God says about reconciliation because ultimately we do not have the power in ourselves to forgive some of the people that are on our list. We don't. 
We don't have the power. And, 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 and really, when you talk about community and bringing together community, you don't have community without Jesus Christ. Jesus came to establish, once again, community. To establish, once again, relationships. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a brokenness in relationship. This relationship with God was broken when they sinned. It wasn't just this relationship, though. Last week we talked about how God loved us and sent his son to reconcile us to himself. And that, that is true, that God came to reconcile us. But, but this relationship was broken. But not just this relationship, this relationship was broken. Broken with each other, family. Murder came into the world, lying, cheating. This relationship was broken. And then not only this relationship, but even our relationship with the world was broken. It was fallen. Not only sharing with the world the love of Jesus, but also just the, the basics of life, work. Work became a chore rather than a joy. Fallenness came in. Even the environment itself, even creation fell. But, but God reconciled us. When you see the word reconcile in Scripture, it's interesting that God is always the subject. Always the subject. We're not the subject of reconciliation. Not even Jesus is the subject of reconciliation when you see the word. It's God. God, the Father, loved you so much that he wanted to reestablish relationship with you. So he sent his son Jesus to die for everything that would break us apart and to bring us back together with him. He reconciled us to himself. And Jesus, the night before he died, in the garden, he said, if there be any other way. He was thinking through, the, the, the humanness of him was saying, if, if there be any other way, Father, let this cup pass from me. But the night before, he made a decision to go to the cross. And he did it because he wanted you to be reconciled with God, that abiding relationship, the connecting relationship with each other, and also to share the love of Christ. The only way that we can do that is in his power. And he came to reconcile even the world even creation, to reconcile it back to himself. And as Jesus was hanging on the cross, as they were spitting upon him, as they were torturing, torturing him, he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, reconciliation, we see in verse 17, is in Christ. In Christ, we have a Savior that put your list, your hurts, my hurts, our sin on himself, and he took it to the cross. It was on Christ. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, he comes in and he gives you new life in him. Not just new life. It has to be in him. The only way that we can live the kind of life that God intends for us is in Christ. The only way that you can have the relationships that you need to have is in Christ. Those of you that are unmarried and you're walking into relationships, the only way that you're going to have the relationship that God wants you to have is for him to be in Christ and for her to be in Christ and for you both to be in Christ. The only way that you are truly going to have a, a tremendous business that is going to be a kingdom business is for as many people as you can in your business to know Christ and for you to make sure that you're moving forward in kingdom expansion in Christ. And when relationships don't work, and sometimes they don't, and, and they break apart, it is only in Christ that we can come and to be reconciled once again, to forgive. There are some things that people have done to you that are just inexcusable. There are some things that you've done that are inexcusable. Do you know what C.S. Lewis says about forgiveness? Look at this quote. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God 
has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Isn't that a good quote? God has forgiven you. All the things that you have done, he took on the cross. Colossians 3.13 says this, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So the first step in this forgiveness is to choose to forgive rather than confine. Choose to forgive that person rather than confine. Jesus doesn't simply invite me to live this way. He desires to live this way through me. He, he knows that I can't live on my own and to forgive on my own. He comes in and his life in me allows me now to forgive, not to live a life of confinement. He fully and freely forgives me. He completely forgives me and he forever forgives me. He never brings up what I've done again. He remembers it no more, according to Isaiah 43. Let me ask you, is there anybody in your life that you've not forgiven? How about this year? How about this decade? How about in your life, thinking through it? There was a, a blank piece of paper on your seat when you came in. It wasn't there by accident. As we go through today, this is what I want you to do. I want you to begin to jot down names of people that have hurt you. Not people that you've already forgiven, not people that you already have released, and not people that you've already reconciled with and you're moving forward. We don't need to be reminded of those. Those people that have hurt you, maybe this year, maybe in your lifetime, and begin to jot down those names. You don't have to share it with the person next to you. Don't worry about that. This is between you right now and the Lord. Begin to jot down those, those names. And let me tell you, when you don't forgive those people, what happens is you literally are confined. You've heard of confinement, like in a prison? You literally are confined. You limit, first of all, you limit your relationship with God. If you're a child of God, he won't take that away from you. You're always a child of God. But you limit your intimacy with the Father when you don't forgive others. There's no way in the world that you can have a really good relationship with God and go to him daily and pray for him and ask him for his blessings in your life when you don't forgive your brother. And you say, well, well, well where's that? It's actually all throughout Scripture. But in Matthew 6.15, it says that if you don't forgive, he won't forgive you. It's, it's, as, it's as simple as that. Another passage it talks about when you bring your offering, first don't bring your offering, go to your brother and make it right with your brother before you bring the offering. Before you come and you want an intimate relationship with God and to walk with God, you need to make it right with your brother or sister. In my family, my son or daughter, they don't come up to me if they're fighting with their brother and sister. They don't come up to daddy and ask for a bunch of things if they're not right with their brother and sister. It's because I want a good, a good family. I want a family that loves each other. The same thing's true for the father. He wants a family that loves him but also loves each other. So when we don't forgive, we literally confine our relationship with God. Not only that, we confine ourselves to a prison of pain. Unforgiveness imprisons us. It sucks the life out of us. It moves us from the abundant life that God wants for us, and we're confined, prison in ourselves. And then also we actually confine the offender, the person that has hurt us. 
we can find the potential relationship that we have with that person. But God wants us to forgive, choose to forgive rather than confine. Now I want to talk to you to the next step. This next step is really important because many of you, you already got the first step. As a matter of fact, somebody came up to me in, in the last service and said, boy, I got the forgiveness one, but I, I've never done this second one. I've never stepped forward and done this second one. And I'm going to give it to you right now. It's release. Choose to release rather than carry. Choose to release rather than carry. 2 Corinthians 2, 5, 19 says this. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He was not counting their trespasses against them. Not counting means to release the payment you owe. Releasing the payment you owe. You know, when we don't forgive, there is something in us as humans that think that at some point they're going to pay. When somebody wrongs you, what do you want them to do? I want them to pay. I don't want them to pay good, right? With interest. I want them to really hurt. But Jesus says with you, he, he doesn't count your sins against you anymore. He doesn't want you to do that with other people. To not count. Let me ask you this. Are you glad God isn't counting your sins against you? Are you glad that God doesn't count his sins against you? Are you glad that, you're, that he doesn't have a list? Are you glad that he doesn't all of a sudden put all your sins on that screen? And say, hey, third row right here, third row from the left, let's, let's just look at your sins. No. Aren't you glad when you get to heaven as a believer, he doesn't just turn on the Blu-ray and say, we're going to just take a look at all the things you've done wrong, all the things. We're just going to take a look at it right now. He doesn't count his sins against you. Not counting. Now, can we, just, can we just be straight with each other for a minute? That does not make sense to me. Does that make sense? That a God would not count our sins against us? Well, actually, you and I, we cannot be released of sin unless there was payment that was made. Jesus took the payment on himself. Jesus took the payment so you didn't have to, to have the payment on you. So that sins were not counted against you. And Jesus says, I expect you to do that with your brother and sister as well. Don't count their sins. Christ, my sin, your sin, Christ died for all of it. In Christ, I now have life and I'm able to release. In his power, in the power of the cross, in the position of the cross in Christ, I can release it. And this is what release means. Write this down. I release them from ever having to make it right. That doesn't sit well for some of you. I could almost feel it up here. I release them from never having to make it right with me. That's huge. To release means to, to take them off the hook with me. But trust me. You're not taking them off the hook with God. Forgiveness doesn't mean that they're not going to deal with God. They will deal with God however he chooses to deal with it. But you're releasing them off of you. You release that burden. And I'm telling you, unforgiveness is a burden. It weighs on you. It's like a bag of rocks just carrying around all day. You begin to see people years after years after years of unforgiveness. 
it almost starts to, you almost see it in their life. It's just a burden of just carrying it around. And, and I don't know what burden you're carrying around. It, it may be the fact that you didn't get the job that you wanted. It may be the fact that that coworker threw you under the bus this year. It could be that mom or dad that walked out on you years ago. And you've been holding on to it. You've been carrying the burden. It could be that mom or dad that did things that were inexcusable to you. It could be that brother or sister that you're at odds with. That sibling rivalry. Maybe it's not a rivalry at all. Maybe it's just somebody that just comes around once every two or three years that, that may have treated your mom or dad poorly. Whatever that is. God wants you to release it. To not count their sins against them. Because it is a burden. It's an emotional burden for you. You know, 95% of the people that walk into my office with a relational issue, I can trace it back to unforgiveness. Now, they don't come in and say, Pastor Brian, I need to meet with you. I've got some problems with unforgiveness. They come in and they say things like, I'm angry. I am stressed. I am worried. I can't sleep at night. Those are the things that people say. But if you follow the line, it is literally plugged in to the wall and it's unforgiveness. It's plugged into something. Have you ever seen people that you, 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 you live your life with and all of a sudden there's like this reaction? And you're like, man, that guy just exploded. Or she just exploded on me. It's tied to something else. When they explode, it's not always about you. As a matter of fact, seldom is it about you. It's typically tied to something else. Some type of an, of an emotional burden that they can't hold on to anymore. And it literally manifests itself emotionally as well as physically. Physically. Let me ask you, have you ever been depressed as a result of something somebody did to you? Just depressed? It just weighs down on you? Have you ever had a headache or an ulcer attached to anger due to a relational problem? Have you ever had a headache where it's just like, oh, everything around that person, I get a headache. I get a migraine. Have you ever had a nightmare or dreams at night and you wake up in a cold sweat and you're just like, I can't sleep? It's relational. It's physical. It's emotional. Dr. Carolyn Leaf said this, 75% to 95% of the illnesses that plague us today are a direct result of toxic thought life. What we think about affects us physically and emotionally. It's an epidemic of toxic emotions. The average person has over 30,000 thoughts a day. Through an uncontrolled thought life, we create the conditions for illness. We make ourselves sick. Research shows that fear, all in its own, triggers more than 1,400 known physical and chemical responses and activates more than 30 different hormones. There are intellectual and medical reasons to forgive. It's important to forgive. Dr. Herbert Benson, president of the Harvard Medical School of Mind and Body Institute, says that it even affects our very DNA. The DNA itself shortens when we don't forgive, when we have toxic thoughts, and it shortens. And it causes our bodies to literally shut down. But listen to this. It also, the reverse thing happens. When we love, when we experience joy, when we have appreciation and grat gratitude, the DNA codes are reversed. And it actually changes how we live. How we, how we forgive literally affects our emotions and our physical well-being. 
Now, it, it affects us spiritually. But for some of you, if I started with spiritually, you're like, I could care less. Just tell me, is it going to make me feel good or bad? Is it going to affect me physically? And I'm telling you, many of you worry about how you physically feel. And I'm telling you, forgiveness or unforgiveness will damage you. You've got to let it go. You've got to release it. Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you breaking down physically? Jesus says, come to me. Learn from me. You can find rest in me. Jesus wants you to come right now, wherever you are in life, and you just come to him. You know, Jesus came to a scenario where there was a woman that was about ready to be stoned. She was actually caught in adultery. She was with a man that was not her husband. And all these men were gathered up, and they gathered up stones. And Jesus came in, and he, and he stepped in before they were to stone. And he, he stopped the men from doing it. And he began to, to write on the ground. Some people wonder what Jesus was writing on the ground. Some believe that Maybe it was the sins of the men that were about ready to stone. I don't know that specifically, but it was interesting. As he began to write, the men began to disperse and to leave. The older ones first. They were smarter. They left, and then the younger ones followed. And then it was just Jesus and the woman. It was just Jesus and the woman looking at each other. She was probably down on the ground, and he was... He was there to comfort her. And this is what Jesus said to her. Woman, where are they? Did they not condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. Jesus didn't condemn her. He chose to remind her who he was, and he released her sins, but he also blessed her. He said, I don't condemn you. That's the third step of this. Release. To forgive, release, and now to bless. Choose to bless rather than condemn. Choose to bless rather than condemn. He says to her what I believe is some of the most powerful, beautiful words in all of Scripture. He says this to her. I do not condemn you. In other words, I don't hold this sin against you. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't hold our sin against us. He doesn't condemn us. Romans 12, 14 speaks of blessing. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 17 says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. The word bless here means to praise or to extol or call down God's gracious power. As he was there with that woman, he literally was calling down God's gracious power on this woman. For each of us in this room, God is calling down his gracious power on each one of us. He wants us to be blessed. Sons and daughters, your father wants you to live a blessed life. He wants you to walk out of here today and to be blessed and not carry on burdens of, of other relationships, other hurts. But here's the thing. He not only wants to bless you, he wants to bless the people 
that might be on your list. He wants to give them a blessing. He wants them to walk in his grace. He wants them to walk in, in, in power. And he, and he tells this to us in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says that we literally are his ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. It is our opportunity to bless others in his name. Now, if you go up to some people that are on your list right now and you begin to bless them, you know what's going to happen? A number of things probably. But you know one thing that might happen? They may say to you, or at least in their heart, this person's changed. There is something different about this person. This person that has treated me poorly for years and years is all of a sudden blessing me. And what's a blessing? It's just, it's just a word of blessing to the person. God wants you to know he loves you. I want you to have a good day today. I want you to be prosperous. I want your, your company to flourish. I want you to know that I think about you and your family, and I want blessings to come upon you. You see, once you release and you begin to bless, things begin to happen in your life. When you're not paying back evil for evil, when you're not returning things but rather blessing things, you're calling God's power down on them, and their lives begin to change. John Piper says this about, about struggling with with feelings of bitterness and revenge. If you struggle with feelings of bitterness and revenge, go deeper with Christ until you know him and love him the way he is. When you begin to bless people that have hurt you, you will go deeper with Christ. You will be forced to go to the cross. And when you go to the cross, you'll find power in Christ. You'll begin to walk in victory. You'll begin to see other people in your life begin to walk in victory. The people that you hated may come to know Christ because of your blessings upon them, your words of power upon them. I was working on this message, and I went out into the garage where I keep a black file cabinet. The black file cabinet, uh, my wife can't stand it, by the way. She sees this cabinet, and it's just ugly and dirty, and we keep all our tax stuff in there, and we keep all kinds of other stuff in there, and it's just, it's just a black cabinet. It's the stuff where I put all the stuff, right? It's just, it's just there, right? And I need to go through it someday, right? But today, I just needed a, a, an illustration for this message. And I went to my file. I have a little, like a sermon file. That's what pastors do. We have little sermon files. And I went to that file, and I began to look for this forgiveness illustration that I'd used in the past. And as I went to that file, no joke, I saw another file right behind it. And the file behind it was actually this, this notebook. And in this notebook is a file of stuff that, uh, that I'd collected back in the 90s. And it was somebody that had, that had hurt me, had done something against me, and I was saving up that stuff to use against them, potentially in a court of law. And I had just saved it. Every time there was an email or something like that, I'd just put it in that file. Every time there was some kind of transmission, I'd just put it in that file. I'd put notes down in that file. I'd kept it in there. And I found it. Now, I wish I could say I, I had gone 20 years before I found it. But actually, in the early 2000s, I saw it again. And I just kept it in there. Because you never know when you might need it, right? Have you ever thought that way? Or you just, I may get to use that someday. And you don't want to waste your ammo, right? That's how I thought. I may be the only one in the room that thinks that way. But that's what I was doing. And I looked through some of the emails, some of the things that I'd said. 
They were hurtful things. There were things that I would never read to you. I didn't want anybody to know about. Now, in my journey with Christ, the new has really taken effect in my life. The old was passed away, but I, I still was living some old life. How we text, how we leave voicemails, how we leave files, how we, how we do things. It's the old life. It's a dead life. Jesus says the new has come. And as I looked at it, it grieved me. Some of the, some of the words that I used. It wasn't, how could a pastor say this? How could a child of God say this to somebody? Sometimes when you're, when you're preparing for a sermon, God preaches to you. And that's what he did with me. So I just, I brought it today and it's going at the cross. There's no need for me to have it. You see, when, when Jesus died, he died for all those things that are in that file. There's no need to have them. There's no need to carry them. I can't tell you how many times that file cabinet has gone from a house to a house, a residence to a residence. There's no longer to do that. Jesus died for those, but I was hanging on to them just in case. It's time to release. I don't know about you today, but maybe that card is still blank. There's still a list here. There's still a list here, but there's nothing on the card. You may just want to take a moment right now and just jot down. Maybe you have a list. Maybe it's not a file like I have. But maybe it's, I need to forgive this person. I need to release. I need to bless. I want to review this for you because when you leave here today, you may need to go through this. And I want to just help you do this. You may need to get in a room all by yourself and God and just have a, a chair. You know, some of these people have moved on. They're no longer with us on earth. They've died. But you still need to release it. You need to just get a chair and just, just talk to the Lord and ask the Lord to show you. And we begin with forgive. And just do this with me. Put your, put your finger up in the air. Forgive. Forgive. The reason we do that is because you don't have the power to do it on your own. You can put your hands down. Forgive. In Christ, I can forgive them. Forgive the person. Listen to the Holy Spirit and use words specifically to tap into your specific hurt. It could be something at work. And you could say something like this. I forgive my coworker for putting my integrity in question with my boss. I forgive. You may need to forgive yourself as needed. I forgive myself. When that happened, Lord, I forgive myself for reacting rather than responding in your spirit. And making the problem worse. I, I forgive. And then you need to release. Do this with me. Put your palms up. Release. Release. Releasing is this. Releasing the other person from ever having to make it right with you. I release this person from ever having to make it right with me. I do not count their trespasses against me. And then also release the other person into God's hands to work in that other person's life as God has worked in yours. Release that other person to allow God now to work on them. You see, God will work on them. It says in, in Romans 12, 19, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Trust me, God will deal with them the way that God will deal with them. You have not played God well. 
All right? Only God can be God. So release them. Release them so that God can now work on them. And then also, bless. Palms down. Do this. Bless. Go ahead and do that. Bless. Forgive, release, bless. Bless the other person with specific things that God speaks to you about. You can say something like this. In the name of Jesus, I bless him to be healed in the deep places that cause him to react angrily toward others at work. I release him. I release I release my son that is doing things he shouldn't be doing. And I pray, Lord, that you will bring him to yourself like you brought me to yourself. I bless him. Lord, I, I pray that you will keep him safe so he can come to, to know you as I've known you. I bless him. Forgive, release, bless. And bless yourself. I bless myself not to react when people hurt me, but instantly see things through your mind and your heart, Lord. I want to feel like you feel. I want to think like you think. Would you bless me with wisdom and insight that comes only from you? Would you bless me with that, God? Listen, I know you've been hurt. I've been hurt and you've been hurt. Trust me. This is not a message to say that you've not been hurt. This is actually a message to say I know you have. I've been hurt and you've been hurt. But you know what? Today is not about our hurt. Today is about releasing that hurt so that God can work in your life. God can do it. God can work. Forgiving is not letting them off the hook. It's letting God deal with them the way that he needs to deal with them. So I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what's on your list. But here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to have you stand up, and we're going to have a time where we can spend with God. And I want to leave some environments for you to do that. For some of you, you have that card. And you may want to just bring that card up to the cross. As I brought my, my file up to the cross. You may want to bring that card up to the cross. You may want to spend some time here at the altar and pray. Feel free and bring the card up. Others of you, you need to take that card home and maybe get in a room, like I said, and just walk through this. Forgive and release and bless. For some of you that are in a small group, you may want to take that card to your small group and get with somebody that is in your small group and, and walk through that with them. Ask them to help them. You may say to them, you know what, I want to practice this with you. I want to I want to be an ambassador for Christ. I want to be able to have a ministry of reconciliation that goes beyond my hurts. You can walk through that with somebody. There's a fourth group here. As I was reading, the old has passed away and the new has come. And I talked about being in Christ. You're not in Christ. Coming to church will not make you in Christ. The only, the only one that can make that decision is you. God isn't going to violate your will. He's not going to make you come to him, but he's inviting you to come to him. Come to me, he says. All you are weary. You're done living this life on your own and trying to do good and to make it. He wants you to come to him. This is an opportunity for you to come. We'll have some pastors here at the front. The pastors will be here for anybody that's here. You may be dealing with something that's completely different from what we just talked about. You can come to the pastors. But for those of you that, that want to come to Jesus today, just leave your seat and come to a pastor. Just come to him and just say, I, I need Jesus. I want to exchange my life for his. I want his life, his abundant life in me. And just come. This is your time with the Lord. 
however you want to use it. But I, listen, I would not go into the next year until I dealt with my reconciliation list this year. 